Thank you so much, Chancel Choir, for the beautiful anthem this morning. And as we prepare to reflect on God's mighty and matchless word, let us once again go before him in prayer. And now, O oh Lord, may the words of our mouths and the meditations of all of our hearts be found acceptable in your sight, for you are indeed our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. If through the words of this human being we do not hear your voice, O oh God, we pray that you would come in your own gentle way and speak to each of us here in the quietness of our hearts. Amen. Today is the second week in our November series about coming and feasting together. And last week we began at the, at the Lord's table on All Saints Sunday, remembering those who have gone before us, celebrating the saints among us and the saints that are to be, and that we're all a part of this great bridal feast of the Lamb that Jesus has set for us as the risen Lamb of God who sits enthroned above all things. And throughout this month, as we near the Thanksgiving holiday and as we prepare for the end of the Christian year, the beginning of a new year with Advent, we're going to continue in that theme of feasting, that theme of celebration, the theme of coming to a table where we are constantly fed by God himself. And it's no, it's no coincidence, friends, that the scriptures are full, especially Jesus's stories are full about stories of celebrations, stories about parties, and in this case, a very particular banquet that has been set, a wedding banquet that, that is being celebrated. And it really should be no surprise to us that Jesus talks about the wedding banquet so much and that he refers to weddings so much because where was it that his first miracle ever occurred? It was at a wedding in Cana of Galilee. Everybody remember that story? They ran out of wine and Mary, Jesus's mother, is like, son, you got to do something about this. And he says, no, it's not time yet. And she basically says, you better do what your mama tells you to do and, turn the, and, and do something to fix this problem with the wine that ran out. And that was where Jesus' first miracle was. Sometimes we forget, though, you know, when we're reading the scripture, it's easy for us to get stuck in Matthew 25, verses 1 through 13, and we forget to put that in conversation with other things that happened. And so as people are listening to Jesus tell the story, remember, word would have spread about that first miracle he ever did. That first miracle he ever did in Cana of Galilee, word begins to trickle out. We, you know what that's like, don't we all know what that's like, where we tell somebody one thing and then it goes to somebody else and somebody else, and the next thing you know, the word has spread all over town or all over the church or all over the community or our, around our circle of friends. Well, it was no different. Jesus lived in small communities. He traveled in very small communities where word spread quickly. So when he talks about wedding banquets and his parables, there is no doubt that the people listening, there are going to be people among them who say, oh yeah, remember? He's the one that turned the water into wine. Everything with Jesus' ministry, with his miracles, began when he turned the water into wine, when he came in in a place of need at a great celebration and made the celebration even greater by the way he abundantly provided for that need. So anytime Jesus starts talking about wed a wedding banquet, we should be hearing that voice behind it saying, remember what I've already done for you. Remember the miracle that I am setting before you today. And so as Jesus is telling the story and his, and his listeners are hearing this, we also need to remember the fact that this, when Jesus starts this passage, if you look with me in verse 1, he says, then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Then, then, that's a key word. That means that something has just happened, right? 
Well, in chapter 24, Jesus is uh, going into detail about some things that are the opposite of celebration. He is talking about judgments that are coming. He is warning about um, a sacrilege that is coming, how people are going to turn away from him. He is going to talk about persecution that is coming to his disciples and those who follow after him. And basically, Jesus is telling the disciples, it's going to be tough. It's going to feel like the whole world is falling apart because this world is falling apart. Then the kingdom of heaven. Then the kingdom of heaven. Friends, we live in the midst of times that at times we may say, oh, the world has never been in as bad a shape as it is right now. Well, those of you who have served in the military probably know and went through seasons where in the midst of war you were thinking, it can't get any worse than this. Some of us have been through situations in our life where we think it can't get any worse than this. This is a, the, the scriptures endure throughout time. We're always going to be going through periods where we feel like the world is falling apart. It may not be today, it may not be tomorrow, but we will feel like that. And the beauty of the scripture, the truth of the scripture, is that every time Jesus says, yes, there are going to be hard times, you as my followers are going to experience really difficult times as you follow after me, then the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is always interspersing hope in his message. And friends, one of the worst things, one of the worst pits we can get into is the pit of hopelessness as a people of God, as a people who follow after Jesus Christ, especially as we go into this Advent season, we are reminded that we have an eternal hope that is not rooted in anything in this world that is falling apart, but instead is dwells in the heavenlies, and Jesus has brought that to us with his very body that was given and broken, with his blood that was spilled for us. He has come and brought us the kingdom of heaven, and yes, we still have to walk this earthen, this earth, this earthen sod. We still have to go through the heartaches and the trials, then the kingdom of heaven. The kingdom of heaven is present, and we have a responsibility as we walk through this earth as, his, as children of God, as brothers and sisters of Christ, to follow after him and to, and to live out the joyful, hopeful life that he has given to us. And he gives us an example here in this parable of how we can do that. Because you see, friends, as we walk this earth together, and as we, as we talked about last week, as we look towards the heavenly realm, it's not just a place where we are going to one day. Heaven is all around us. The kingdom of heaven is here among us. That's why Jesus says to his followers here, then the kingdom of heaven will be like this. Ten bridesmaids took their lamps and went to meet the bridegroom. Well, the disciples hear this, and Jesus is speaking to his disciples here in this passage, and, he, and they hear this, and they're immediately going to think, oh wait, he's talking about the wedding. He's talking about Cana. He's talking about where everything began, that, and he's the bridegroom. He is coming, and we are those who are waiting for him. So there's a sense of excitement when Jesus is telling the story, a sense of anticipation that something great is about to happen in the midst of all of the chaos of the world, that the kingdom of heaven is there. Friends, the banquet of heaven has been going on for years and years. Those who have gone before us are feasting day and night in the presence of God, and the Lord is inviting us today to be a part of that banquet, and we become a part of that banquet that has already begun in our worship of God, in our surrender to God, in our prayers, in seeking him with all of our hearts. We can be those who are already with the bridegroom and experiencing that celebration of heaven right here on earth. And Jesus here gives the disciples and all of us a choice, though, as we do this. And that is, are you going to be foolish? 
or are you going to be wise? Where we're all saying, I'll sign up for wise, preacher. Let's, let's get in the wise category. None of us are going to want to be in the foolish category. And Jesus leaves that choice up to us. It's not as if God says, you're foolish, you're wise. No, we get to make the decisions about that. And as we think about this, let me just share one more little piece of historical context that I think will help you see what is happening here in this parable. This story is about a wedding banquet. Now, in John's gospel, when Jesus turned the water into the wine, we're told that that was the wedding of, in Cana of Galilee. The wedding banquet in Jesus' time was the feast that took place at the house of the bridegroom when he and his bride, have, when the bride and the bridegroom have been married and they're coming back to live in the bridegroom's house. So they are traveling back to the bridegroom's house and the bridesmaid, though that these 10 young women have the responsibility of welcoming and making sure everything is in order for when the groom, the bridegroom comes back for this banquet, for the celebration. So when we hear about the wedding banquet, the marriage has already taken place and they are coming back and they are coming to where they are going to live as husband and wife. And it's the same for us, friends. Jesus is the bridegroom. We are the church. Those who follow him, we, the church, are his bride. He has come to us. He has redeemed us. He has saved us. We are his. We belong to him. And now he is saying, let us live together for eternity. And we are given this responsibility with these 10 young women who are, who, are, who are there to be ready for when the bridegroom arrives, to have their lamps ready so that the bridegroom and the bride can find their way, so that their path can be lit, so that they can have everything that they need. And we hear, and Jesus gives us the story here, that some that were foolish, there were some that were wise, the ones that were foolish were waiting, but they had no oil. In verse 4, the wise had flasks of oil with their lamps. Some of us are probably good planners and preparers, aren't we? Where you've got a whole closet full of everything you need from now until Jesus really does come again, right? Some of us have got things stored up that we need. Others of you, like me, you know, you get that last little bit of toothpaste out before you, have, before you run to the store to buy more. And some of us may find ourselves somewhere in between. And it's, it's a similar thing here where Jesus is saying to us, you know what? Yeah, you can wait till the last minute to get something to to get this done. You but you need to be thinking ahead because it's not about you. It's about the bridegroom. Everything in the story is not about self. It is about Jesus. And that is what he's asking of us to be ready with our oils ready, with our candles trimmed so that we with plenty of oil available so that we can be ready when he does come. Now, does that mean I need for you to go stockpile your cabinets? No, that's not what we're talking about here, but it's a, similar it's, it's a similar analogy because what Jesus is saying is don't get caught off guard. Be ready for what matters, and what matters is that I am coming again. Friends, Jesus is indeed, every week we, we celebrate as we come together that Christ has died, Christ has risen. We said this last week at communion, Christ will come again and Christ will come again in all of his glory that day is coming and we don't know that as we hear at the end of today's passage we don't know the day or the hour just like the the bridesmaids did not have a tracking device on their cell phone to see oh the bridegroom is 10.2 miles away you know we can take a nap before he gets here no we have to think with that old-fashioned mentality that biblical mentality of, of we don't know when Jesus is going to come but not just when he's going to come in all of his glory and redeem all of creation but also when is Jesus is going to come for us and, sh and show forth his glory 
to all of us. He is saying, be ready, have everything that you need. The oil that he speaks of is the oil of the Holy Spirit. He's saying, stay filled up on my Holy Spirit. Stay filled up on the oil that I want to give you and be ready for when I do come by sharing your light, by giving the good news. Now, share by sharing the light. I don't mean sharing the oil because the Holy Spirit gives each of us the oil of our, uh, gives each of us an anointing oil, gives each of us a gift, gives each of us a portion that we must use wisely. And we can't just divvy it out. God has given each of us what we need. And we hear what happens in the story. When, it, when push comes to shove, the procrastinators and those who had not planned were saying, in verse 8, give us some of your oil. Our lamps are going out. But the wise said, no, you have got to go and get some for yourself. Because if they shared all of it, there would not be enough for what the bridegroom needed. So we each have an individual responsibility for the banquet that Jesus has set before us. We all must be filled up with the Holy Spirit. When I was a little girl, I used to love it when the electricity would go out. My parents probably drove them crazy because I would get so excited when the lights would go out. And the reason I did, obviously I had no understanding of the fact that when the lights went out there was a problem. But the thing I loved about the electricity going out was we had these two very old um, lamps that were, that were, that were uh, powered by oil, these oil lamps. And some of you may have seen them, they're, they're very tall, and it had a little knob on the side of it where the oil was underneath it, and you turned that, uh, turn that little knob, and you would light the little piece of cloth that was the candle, and the oil would power the candle. And I just was fascinated by, this by these oil lamps, and we could only use them, though, when the power went out. I promise I never did pray for the electricity to go out, but I loved it when it did because this was something that was reserved for those dark times. That this was, and I knew this was something that was special because we only pulled it out at dark times. And I remember it was really hard to take care of. Mom and dad had to really work to um, be careful when they took it apart and when they refilled the oil. And it was like it was used for special occasions, but it was not a special occasion. It was when we were in the midst of darkness. And that is what these oil lamps were like in Jesus' time too. They were used for a specific purpose. And we as the church friends, we as First United Methodist Church of West Point, God has said to us, I have made you a very special lamp for the dark times that the world is in. Will you be prepared? Will you be filled with the oil of the Spirit? Will you be powered by my Holy Spirit? And will you be ready for when I come? Because friends, Jesus can show up in mighty and matchless ways that we can't begin to imagine as revival breaks out throughout Christ's holy church in this world. And God wants to do something really specific in your life and in the life of this church. And we have before us the challenge today that the banquet has already begun. Will we be the ones who are ready? Will we be the ones who are filled with the Spirit and ready to go to shine in those dark times? Or are we going to be scrambling for what we had not prepared for? And I want to challenge us today to be awake, to be alert, and to be ready for when the bridegroom comes. For we are a part of his bride and we do not need to be caught unaware, but instead, we want to go ahead and have everything ready. We want to be able to go into the feast with him. For we hear in today's passage, in verse 10, the bridegroom came, those who were ready went with him into the wedding banquet, and the door was shut. Friends, let us be counted among those who are ready. Let us be counted among those who are awake. Yes, they did take a little nap at the beginning of the passage, but when it came down to it, they were ready and they were awake when he came. 
So let us be a people who are ready to celebrate, and in celebration, let us be prepared. For he is with us through the presence of his Holy Spirit, and Jesus is indeed coming again, and he is ready to pour out his blessing upon us. Let us be filled up with joy. Let us be grounded in hope, and let us be abounding in the love that flowed from Calvary as we let our light shine before each other in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, to belong, whom belongs all glory now and forever. Thanks be to God. Amen.